new drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Eric's off somewhere getting very tan. Eric Goodman is on his honeymoon. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. I'm sitting, I'm Terry Fry, and I'm sitting in with Justin Adams today, news and sports anchor and reporter at Denver CBS 4. You can watch us on milehighsports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry and at Justin Adams TV. Now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. The Avalanche are getting back to work, and uh, before we get into that, I thought I'd throw out a couple kind of little things around the NHL. Number one, the Sharks today named former winger Mike Greer as their new general manager. He's the NHL's first black GM. His younger brother, Chris, is GM of the Miami Dolphins, and their father, Bobby, is a longtime player personnel executive with the Patriots. Mm. Very respected in football. So if one of his sons is a general manager of the Dolphins, and another is the general manager of the San Jose Sharks. Mike played 14 years in the NHL. Beautiful. Beautiful. How significant is this hire? Extremely significant. The last major sport to finally have um, a black GM. Um, and it just shows the progress that's happening within the sport. Um, and it also shows, too, a couple of different things. Number one, um, man, you, you can not only be on the ice and play this game mm-hmm. as an African-American, but you could also make the decisions, too. Mike was a very good player. Very good. Very, very good player. And it also shows, too, from a standpoint within your family, is that you could be an individual that could be able to, hey, your brother really could do wanna, I really want to play that game. Yeah. Whether you're five years old or... Yeah. I, I want to do this, too, right? And it, it, it's easy to say, hey, my dad grew up at player personnel within the New England Patriots. So you would obviously think that, well, you'll just stay here and we'll mm-hmm. all do football, right? Football's the sport for us. But then to have one of your sons say, hey, I want to play hockey and make it to the pros, play 14 years, and then now hold a role as a general manager, it's a tremendous thing to see. Great family. He was working with the, he was working with the Rangers with Chris Drury, too, mm-hmm. before moving on uh, now to the Sharks. And so, you know, the other one that's very interesting is Popeye Jones has two sons, Caleb and Seth, playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. So, and he was the one who said, asked Joe Sackett, hey, hey, my son, Seth, he kind of likes hockey. What should we do? And Joe said, skate, 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 skate. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because the Avalanche had the choice between Seth Jones and Nathan McKinnon in the 2013 draft. Uh, we're getting off track here, but I just want to throw this out. I, I remember saying at the time, writing, I think the Avalanche will regret not taking Seth Jones <laughs> <laughs> at the top. And I, but I was very I was very nuanced in the sense that I said I don't I don't pretend to have studied hours and hours and hours and hours of tape. It's just kind of a gut feeling. Right. But I obviously turned out to be wrong. Yeah, Nathan not, Mc- not that Seth Jones has been a bust. No, no, he's not a bust at all, but uh Nathan McKinnon's kind of special. <laughs> he's pretty good now. Yep. And the the other move that kind of stayed under the radar around here, surprisingly, was that the Boston Bruins hired former DU coach Jim Montgomery yes, as yes. their new head coach. Yes. He had yes. gone from DU to the Stars and was doing well in Dallas, but he was fired for unprofessional conduct, quote, unquote, unprofessional conduct. Do, do, do we want to say it to— Well, it turns out he had, a, he had an alcohol Okay, problem. okay. He got treatment and uh, returned to the NHL as a Blues assistant. So when the Avalanche beat 
the Blues in the playoffs, he was in the handshake line and had a very emotional moment with XDU pioneer Logan O'Connor. Yeah. But now, uh, so now he's, he was hired by the Bruins as their head coach. They sought him because of his ability to work with young players, as he did at St. Louis and uh, in his time at Dallas. So is this is this a win for second chances? It's a huge win for second chances, and it's also a guy who could be able to now connect with his players in a different way to say, hey, this is what I've gone through. Um, this is the challenges that I had. I lost a great opportunity to be able to be a head coach in the NHL because of alcoholism. And now here's me on the road to redemption. And there are so many young guys. We forget it. So many young minds that you have an opportunity to be able to mold as their coach. Now you'll be able to tell your story, and now you can connect with them in a different way. Just a great thing to see. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it, it's almost an emotional it is. moment because it is. the Bruins had enough guts to say he's paid his dues. Yes, yes. He's done his penance. It's time to move on. And he's obviously a really, really, really good coach. Yes, he is. And, and the national championship there at, at DU. And you know what? I, there, there's two franchises I'll definitely be rooting for. I mean, I'll definitely root for uh, Boston Bruins and now San Jose Sharks. And uh, best of luck to them. But uh, <laughs> both franchises are going to have some problems when they take all the abs, okay? <laughs> well, as you know, David David Carl took over DU and also won a national championship right, there. Right. So the DU's in, in the great hands. Actually, going back to George Guazdecki, who kind of planted the seeds yeah. for all of this. Yep. So uh, the Avalanche Tuesday announced the signing of veteran center Andrew, Andrew Cogliano. As you know, he was a valuable cog in the playoffs, mm-hmm. especially in penalty mm-hmm. killing, after he was acquired from San Jose late in the regular season. That's going to be the first of many moves. I think the signing was important because it's almost symbolic. He isn't making a lot of money. He's 35 years old. So they can they can add they can start from the bottom, or move to the top. They, they need to be seeing what Nate Nazem Kadri wants, what he'll settle for. But it also you can also approach it from the bottom with the guys who are the bargain signings and move up. Yeah, you don't want to if you know there are guys who want to be back and you know what they could bring to your team, especially the fourth line as well. Like get those guys. I, and I said it again, Terry. You know the sport of hockey. What are the reasons why the Avs were Offense, organization. Well, that too. (laughs) But one of the reasons why the Avs were able to go and win the Cup this year was because their fourth and third line was better than everybody else's fourth and third line. Their penalty killing got a lot better in the playoffs. It was so good, wasn't it? I mean, Tampa Bay, it took them until, what, game four, game five, until they were able to get on track with their penalty kill? I mean, the series is pretty much done by then. And so when you have those guys who are older, who understand what it means to get after the cup, who are hungry and want to do it again and have that leadership in the locker room, bring them back. Well, you also know that uh, the season's been over, what, uh, 14, 15 hours, something like that. <laughs> I think everybody's sobered up and the off-season business is starting. I don't know about that, man. You check out Eric Johnson's Instagram, man. He, he ain't sober yet, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, the off-season business is starting, beginning with the NHL entry draft on Thursday with round one and on Friday with rounds two through seven in Montreal. Uh, who, who do you think the Avalanche will take with their first pick and never first round pick? <laughs> do, do they have one? No, they don't. I thought they traded it away. No. They, they have a third, right? They won't have a pick until the third round at number 97. Ah, picks overrated. But, but do you remember what they traded those draft picks for? The first round pick was traded to Arizona for Darcy Kemper. The second rounder went to the Islanders along with a future second rounder for Devon Taves. So I, I'm guessing you think those were decent trades. Yeah, they, they worked out pretty well. 
So Colorado's picks in this draft will be 97, 161, 193, and 225. Now, without explaining the entire process and the, the uh, player development model in the NHL, if the Avs ever get any help from players claimed with those picks, it'll be quite a while. We're talking years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are exceptions. I mean, De- Devon Taves himself was a fourth-round pick in 2014 after his freshman year at Quinnipiac. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where's Quinnipiac, by the way? Oh, uh, Quinnipiac. Is that, that sounds like a New York deal. It's somewhere up there. Okay. Uh, it, it's it's one of those dots on the Big Ten map, I think. Okay. UCLA is going to be going there. <laughs> <laughs> that's that was four years before right. Taves played an NHL yeah. game. Yeah. So I think we can agree those trades relinquishing those draft choices were worth it. And I think it raises the question with uh the Avalanche does did have a first round draft choice invested in Kemper. So uh how hard should they work to bring Kemper back and make him more than a one season rental? Well you look out, out in, at the free agent market and you see who are the other guys available. There and- aren't many. And that's the answer. <laughs> there aren't many. So you bring them back. Um, do you believe in Prevail Francois for a full season? If you don't, I mean, the way that you're paying him tells me that you don't believe he'll be the guy for the full season. So well, they signed be... him during the season to a contract extension. Right, right, right. But, but, but not, not, not a very big one. Right. No, but, but I'm saying that if you believed in him, you would pony up a couple other more bucks in general, right? Like he he would have had a couple more dollars. And I get it. You had uh, Philip Grubauer at the time was the netminder, but... You just look. He's a backup, and it's okay. He's a really good backup. But Grubauer got a ridiculous offer from Seattle. Not necessarily the money, or or season salary, but the length of the contract. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. that's the big thing. The big thing is the length of the contract. For you him. know, you know what I think is going to happen, and I could turn out to be wrong. As right about this as I was right about Seth Jones and Nathan McKinnon, um, I think what's going to happen is the Avalanche are going to let Camper walk, and they're going to have Francois and just. Justice Annan is their two goaltenders next season. They're walking away, remember, with the idea that we got away with mediocre goaltending. Oh. And we're really going to push that. I think they're going to do it. I, ah, I think Pablo Francois will be your opening night goaltender. Oh, that, that, that doesn't sit too well with me. It, this is why it doesn't sit too well with me. It kind of reminds me of... Because you're the, a grump. Well, that too. I, I am a grump, actually. But it, it kind of reminds me of... Your, your alarm clock goes off at 2.15 in the morning. Who who is up at two fifteen in the morning? Honestly, Sometimes. I am some nights. Really, Uber drivers. Yeah. What are you doing? Watching you, Netflix. But that that too. Sometimes you know. I wonder when we have TV. By the way, and we're getting off off the rails. When we start TV at four thirty in the morning, I'm like, who's watching? Who's watching us? It's four thirty. What do you watch? I dream of genie. Yes, I, you know, I wish we could say this at four thirty. Go to bed. <laughs> we'll be right back. You know, like, <laughs> wish we could say that. Well, a quick reminder, the other potential unrestricted free agents next week for the Avalanche are Andre Burakovsky, Kemper, Kod- Nazem Kadri, Josh Manson, Valeri Nachushkin, Andrew Cogliano. Well, no, I guess take scratch that one. He's gone. Darren Helm. He's here. Jack Johnson, Nico Sturm, and Ryan Murray. And so I think if, I think Burakovsky's probably going to be gone. The indications are he's looking around. He'll probably get a, much better deal than the Avalanche can offer. Cool. And I think Kadri will be back as kind of a byproduct of that, but the Burakovsky's exit making it a little little more, uh, I wouldn't say easy, but possible to re-sign Kadri. Yeah. You have enough depth pieces where you can find somebody else as well to go and fill in his hole. Uh, but that's the reality of how things go. You want to keep as much of the core as you can as possible, and then 
see what you got in your depth. See what Art, you got the pieces with Art, your minors. Arturi Lekkonen is a restricted free agent too, so I I think he'll be back. Oh, I, I like I like Lekkonen a lot. You know, it's just fun again, Terry. When you look through this team and saw what they did in the playoffs, there are so many guys that you could root for. And let's call it what it is: if they didn't get past the second round, nobody would care. No. Nobody would care right now, period. But we're all caring about them because they won a championship. And the way that they did so in such a convincing fashion just makes you root for this team even more. Well, just in case you want to plant something in the room uh, in conjunction with the draft, the league's general managers, including Joe Sackick, are meeting Wednesday. Ooh. So uh, groundwork can be laid there for various things that can can be done. Can I give a piece of advice to the rest of the general managers? Don't talk to Joe Sackick. If Why he not? Want, if he wants to talk to you, run. Because <laughs> you're going to get fleeced. It's a trap. <laughs> you're going to get fleeced. Run, okay? You're going to trade away probably your best player for a third-round pick, okay? Run the other way. Run like you're George Costanza <laughs> re- trying to get Kramer to recognize Vandalay Industries. That's right. <laughs> well, coming up after the break, given that Justin and I can't get the buffs in the Ivy League, which was our first choice, things are happening so fast in the uh, on the college football scene. We're not sure if anything is, has changed we'll, uh, in the last few minutes. We'll check during the break. And it, when we come back, we'll give you more on CU's options. That's next on Afternoon Drive. You can't stop. We're going to celebrate One more time. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Eric Goodman is on his honeymoon, and he'll be back on Thursday. I read that just like it happens like every week. <laughs> I'm becoming a fixture on this show, by the way, I'm realizing. Yeah, I've been here a lot. Yeah, I enjoy doing the show. Yeah, man. Terry, same here as well. Congratulations to Eric. Yes, uh, and Mandy. Man, you and Mandy. Um, And congratulations to Mandy. Uh, Somebody had to be crazy enough to marry him. So thank you for making Eric happy. Well, I'm journalist and author Terry Fry, and that's the versatile Justin Adams, news and sports anchor and reporter at Denver CBS4. You can watch us on milehighsports.com and reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry and at Justin Adams TV. And now's time for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmeurosport.com. During the break, CU did not announce a decision on where it will be in what league it will be in moving forward after the next couple of years. And, I, you know, I, I, I said this to you on the break, and I said it on the air, that the most amazing thing to me is here, there's just all this pressure on now to get things done right now for moves <laughs> that are, are not going to be able to be in effect for several years. It is the epitome of a knee-jerk reaction. These, these wonderful academics... Involved in the decision making, 
<laughs> and it, uh, didn't tell each other. Didn't have the honor to tell UCLA and USC. And when when CU put out the statement after the fact, basically yeah. saying yeah. we were blindsided. Right. Right. That that didn't speak much for kind of the integrity of UCLA and USC. Terry, it's kind of funny. I didn't even think about this until now. <laughs> well, you think about a place that literally talks about honor, you know, yeah. all those words, integrity. Well, and, they, and they, they want membership in their league to be only of the best academic schools and things like that. Yeah. And then they they don't set a very uh, heartening example in this process. I mean, money talks. I mean, you, you know, you, we understand you have to do business negotiations in private, but I think you should at least, you know, with Fox brokering this deal, you should at least acknowledge to the 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 team. There still have to be partners for a couple years. That's the thing to me that we're forgetting too is this isn't happening tomorrow, regardless of what is decided in these inner sanctums. Well, I love how you were talking about how they have to be partners for a couple of years, and that's true. They do have to be partners for a couple of years. But <laughs> even with that being said, I don't think they're going to be smiling uh, at the table together. Uh, well, I think they'll be very upset at one another. Well, just so uh, to remind and to update for those who weren't aware today. The Pac-12 announced it's expediting the process for negotiating its next media rights contract. That could jumpstart a lot of things, mm-hmm. and it makes it sort of makes the 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 uh, teams pondering also leaving the Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever we want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, commit one way or the other. You can't be you can't be agreeing to part of the media rights extension if you're if you're going to leave the conference. Right, right, right. So I think it's kind of a it's a subtle way of making Colorado and everybody else pick a side. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> and the PAC 12, uh, issued this statement. Yeah. The PAC 12 board of directors met this morning and authorized the conference to immediately begin negotiations for its next contract, next media contract rights agreements. Now, I, I guess, you know, we've been through that several times, but, uh, we're looking at all kind of the alternatives now. Hey. So, so the options are number one, one number one option is staying in the Pac-12 yes. slash 10. Can, can, can what I, do you think of that? I, I think that, I mean, if if there's money there, uh, they should. If if the money is right, you should. But honestly, things change quickly, and you could go to the Big 12 and be okay. You you could go to the Big 12. See, you could go to the Big 12 and be okay. But by the way, can I, can I do a, a quick thing of, a, not to stop you, but breaking news real quick, just in the sense of, just on this subject, on this subject, okay? Um, this coming from the LA Times, by the way. A reputable outlet. Reputable outlet. I'll just read you the caption that they had on Twitter. Again, it goes with our conversation, right? UCLA making a move to go to the Big Ten, right? Depth lady in UCLA was on a grim trajectory to cut sports until it cashed in on a move to the Big Ten. Well, that was with... Uh, Fox brokering the deal, coming mm-hmm. in and saying, come, come in and be part of these negotiations and because USC and UCLA's grant of rights was up after next season. Right. And so when you ask, why do you make the move? Why would you do something like that? You think about the travel and all this other sports. Well, here's the reality. They were going to cut some sports at UCLA. They're going to have to figure out ways for the, for the uh, revenues, non-revenue sports to play Cal Poly San right. Luis Obispo. Right. I mean, you can't just have an all-conference schedule. No, you can't with, with those crazy with the crazy geography involved. But th- but that's important. Like that, that's but it kind of goes back to CU as well, right? So now you look at CU and you ask the question: Should they stay in the Pac-12? If the money isn't right, 
and the money is better and you have an opportunity to go into another conference, that's where you go. Because CU, again, talking to some regents, they're looking at saying, why aren't there more opportunities for athletes to be able to come here in different sports? Why aren't yeah. there more opportunities right now? And that's a question that's being asked to the athletic department. I think the Pac-12 should stay together. Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever you want to call it. By the way, it's been the Pac-8. The big Pac. It's been Pac-10. It's been Pac-12. It's been the Pacific Coast Conference, right, which right, is what right. they should have stuck with because then they weren't they weren't uh, locking themselves in on a number. Because it really looks silly when conferences can't count. Justin. You mean like the Big Ten? Yeah. <laughs> or the Big 12? <laughs> 16 teams now. Right. So... I think the Pac-12 can survive if if they can keep Oregon and Washington. Those are the two keys to okay. me. Okay. Okay. And and I I think uh, Phil Knight would have to step in and say that's fine with me. And uh, you you do wonder about the schools like Oregon State and Washington State though, uh, trying to survive, trying to maintain membership in a viable Pac-10. So we'll see if that happens. Yeah. Hey, I mean, let's let's retreat a little bit because you hear a lot of talk about things. Um, did CU's move to the Pac-12 have to be a mistake? No, at, at the time it was for what we all thought at the time. We were like, okay, you you hate losing or leaving a conference that at the moment had Nebraska, and but but everything, all the signs said, hey, your alumni base is out of California for the most part. Um, you know, you should be able to play sport. Hey, you'll you be able to have more money there. Like, those were the promises um, in the revenue share. And it, it now just so happens that you're at a point that it hasn't worked out well. Oh, and by the way, playing teams in the Pac-12 just hasn't worked out well for you as a football team. I thought the, the Pac-12 conference was a better cultural and yes, academic and athletic fit for CU. And I'm not going to back off on that. Mm -hmm. uh, retro, 2020 hindsight is, is a lot of fun to have. Right, right, right. And... But I think in this case, I still think that was the right decision to make. Uh, when the Pac-12, when when uh, when the Pac-12 didn't try to extend its television rights sooner, that was the that was the death. Was nail in the coffin. That was nail in the coffin for them. And they could have jumped. They could, could have jumped on others to expand also, and they mm -hmm. didn't do that. Could have got some teams from the Big Twelve. So strategic mistakes. The Big Twelve was dying, and the Pac-12. Was was too nice to jump in and and Terry, kick the bones. Terry, that's that. We're not having this conversation. Think about this: the Big Twelve, in one week from losing UCLA and USC, has now said, "Oh, let's quickly go and have this media deal. Let's negotiate." Yeah. They could have did that last, last year, year, right? Yes. And then you could have took a couple of teams from the Big Twelve that was struggling, right? You could have took, let's say, if you wanted more basketball. Can you imagine having Kansas in there? And I get it, but you, you don't take teams <laughs> for, for basketball. Uh, they're terrible. <laughs> well, you know what you're saying, yeah. Uh, they do a great job beating Texas, by the way. But there's so many different things that you could do. You could put Kansas, where you talk about basketball, where UCLA is the lifeblood of Pac-12, where you talk about basketball. Like, that's what people think about, right? Like, when you think about traditionally UCLA basketball, Pac-12, you could have put Kansas along with them. You could have had so many other different teams that were teetering, looking for a place to go. And you could have brought them to the Pac-12, but you didn't. And now you're paying the piper right now. You're paying the price. And I'll tell you, I love what the Pac-12 have. It's a very beautiful conference, right? Yes. But... Uh, you it, you it, like Pullman? Well, except for that. 
And now Corvallis as well. Ooh. Oh, Corvallis yeah. is good. Other than those two places, though, I'm good. I'm good. Go with the Pac-12. So the other option, of course, is to rejoin the Big 12. And let's let's shoot something out of the water right here. Uh, when when the when CU left, when CU in Utah left, left uh, went to the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Utah came from another league. CU came from Utah was in the Mountain West. Do do we forget that Utah was in the Mountain West, folks? And, C- and CU moved over. And CU moved over. That was a huge upgrade for Utah. And you know the reason why Utah is a better football program right now? Just just overall, one of the main reasons why is because they haven't had all that turnover. They had the same coach, Kyle Whittingham, who was able to put a program together off the heels of what Urban Meyer did for Utah and just kept everything moving. Had a couple of maybe bad years here and there, but he has been able to be consistent because they continued on with him as the head coach. CU did not burn bridges when it departed for the Pac-12. No, no, they didn't. No, the they didn't at all. They didn't burn no. the Big 12 bridges. I mean, the move was announced 12 years ago and made 11 years ago. Uh, the Big 12 membership is quite different now, as we're outlining here, and officials have turned over at the schools and at the league. So I, 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 memories are not long enough from the people who are still around, the few people who are still around, to really hold those grudges, in my opinion, but there aren't aren't very many of them either. So I don't I don't think rejoining the pack, the Big Twelve has any element of having to swallow your pride for C for CU or to have the Big Twelve forgive CU. It's just different circumstances. Ten years later, it is. And can I put up one two one more thing too when yes. I talk about Utah, by the way, because everybody just thinks that well they see Utah now they think well there's just this power that been there you know they've always been a good team right. When they went to the Pac-12, first year, they're 8-5, right? They had back-to-back years where they're 5-7. at seven. Then they started racking up the wins, 9 wins, 10 wins, 9 wins, 7 wins, 9 wins, 11, 10. But you know who has been the same coach has been around there? Kyle Winningham. Kyle Winningham. Since 2005, he's been there. There's something to be said about having consistency from a program standpoint, and that's not what CU had. Okay, and here, they've struggled because of it. Here are the two long shots. They're probably laughable, but I'll throw them out anyway. Any chance of at all of making it into the SEC? No. Should see you even want to do that. No, no, man. I, I, ooh, buddy. How'd you like to be Vanderbilt? Ooh, man. Take on, uh, it'll be fun to see Alabama come here. Yeah. Georgia came here before. They got beat by CU, by the way. Remember we, when we had Texas A&M, Texas A&M came in and played CU. Yeah. At Power CU Field should have won that game. They should have. Yes. They should have. They really should have. It, it's if they had any type of offense, they win that game, and they win that game going away. By the way, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just say this: uh, SEC, no Big Ten. I mean, you always hold hope for that, um, but the most realistic at the second option seems to be CU going to the Big Twelve. Okay, I'm going to throw out number four, and then I'll run out the door because you'll be throwing stuff. Oh at no! Me. Here we go. Drop to the Mountain West. No! 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 I take that as a no. No. Okay. Well, in the circle back, I still think that Colorado State and Air Force should be viable candidates to to replace UCLA and USC. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. But I think the, a few years ago when the Big 12 was struggling and, and trying to add teams knowing what was going on, um, CU, CSU made a presentation to the Big 12 that was very well received as being credible. You know, they didn't jump up and say, oh, by all means, join us. Right. 
it wasn't that one of the, it wasn't that but they impressed him and i think those those uh that presentation still is in the minds of big 12 people those who will remain and they're i they should be credible candidates to join the pack in my mind the pack the pack 10 yeah 12 however many it is whatever you want to call yourself but the people who were involved in the big 12 at that time when mm-hmm. see CSU was at least a viable candidate can spread the word throughout college sports. And I think have told everybody involved that CSU was very impressive yep. in that campaign and we're taken seriously. So it's not the big 12. It, it would be the PAC 10 or PAC 12 PCC. They should just go back to PCC. But I think, I think CSU and maybe to, a, to maybe to another point, uh, Air Force should be viable candidates to join the PAC 12. I don't see any problem with that. <laughs> Sounds good to me. So now that we've solved all those problems, coming up after the break, should sports take time off in times of horrific tragedy? Mm. We'll get to that next on the afternoon drive. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back to Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry. Eric Goodman is on his honeymoon, and he will be back on Thursday. Congratulations to the newlyweds, Mandy and Eric. I'm sure, Justin, you join in that. Yes, sir. I'm journalist and author Terry Fry, and the man to my right is the versatile versatile Justin Adams, the devotee of the snooze button. <laughs> man, he, I'll be pounding that thing too, man. He's a news and sports anchor and reporter at Denver CBS4. You can watch us on milehighsports.com and reach us on Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry and at Justin Adams TV. Before we move on to heavier matters, uh, yeah. I wanted to at least throw back out here the statement from CU Boulder Chancellor Philip DeStefano and Athletic Director Rick George. It's beautiful in its simplicity, I guess. Mm-hmm. They say, CU Boulder supports the decision of the Pac-12 Board of Directors this morning to begin conference media rights negotiations. We are committed to the Pac-12 conference and look forward to being an active participant in those conversations. What's that mean? Uh, we are one foot in, one foot out. It's like the hokey pokey, right? You put yeah. two feet in, two feet out, shake it all about. Yeah, that, that's kind of how that feels. We're going to see if they can throw a, a gazillion dollars at us and then we'll stay in it. Yeah, I mean, you're look, you got to go to what's best for your institution. Um, I, I, like I said again, I think the Pac-12, I, I love personally love the Pac-12, but uh, for CU, you have to go what's to, to a place that's best for you. I agree, and I I think yeah. it's probably not going to get raised to the point the ante won't be high enough and the income won't be high enough yeah. for them to stay in the Pac-10, but yeah. Pac-12, Pac-14, Pac-16, whatever it becomes, whatever it is. But uh, so I I think I agree with you. I think if I had to guess, I would say CU will end up back in the Big Twelve. Okay. Okay. Don't have any any issue with that. Obviously, the number one thing would be. 
to land in the Big Ten, but if you're not there, go to the Big Twelve, man. Go, I, I go to a, just go to a place where you could be able to flourish, man. Like go somewhere, make some money, keep things rolling, and just be able to flourish. But I'm rooting for it to stay in the Pac Ten, Pac Twelve, whatever. We'll, we'll see right. how that works. Out. Right. So it was a tough day yeah. yesterday in yeah. a lot of in a lot of ways. When when horrific tra- tragedy occurs, as was the case Monday in Highland Park, Illinois, the question becomes: Should sporting events go on? whether locally in the area of the tragedy or nationally. We, we grappled with that during the Columbine tragedy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Avalanche ended up moving two playoff games. They had the home ice. They ended up saying it's not right to play here now and went out and played the games in San Jose under a rearranged schedule. Uh, that, that's just one example. Every time, unfortunately, every time we have one of these tragedies, we ended up debating whether sporting events should go on. So what, what should the standards be in determining whether the games go on? In this case, the White Sox were at home Monday night against the Twins, and after much discussion, the game went on as scheduled. Mm. But the post-work, post-game fireworks display was canceled. Uh, it was inter- interesting. Several players, White Sox players, addressed the tragedy and said some interesting and decisive things that, that uh, we've all heard in these times. And so... Uh, players spoke out against the violence and so the issue is should that game have been played what what should the standards be for deciding whether games should be played in the wake of tragedy it's tough because um i, I never want to say that this is something that's normal unfortunately it's but unfortunately normal. it's become that right and so um I don't know what happened when the tragedy in Boulder, uh, when the shooting at King, King Supers, Supers, right? Uh, if anybody played a game then. Uh, well, well, here, well, here's one to say it, right? Um, the Colorado Buffaloes basketball team. They were in the NCAA tournament, and they ended up playing a game against Florida State. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can make the argument, should they have played that game? Um, with knowing what's happening from there on, well, in Boulder, right? Mm-hmm. Um it's a tough situation. Um, and I, I don't believe there's a perfect answer, but I will say this is that when there was something that's so close to home in a parade and people get killed, six people actually now, they're saying seven are now dead. Um, it makes you think about the importance of sports and the importance of holding a game. And you look around and say, is this something that we can move? And, in Chicago, I felt they should have moved the game mm-hmm. or they should have at least not have played it. You could have did a doubleheader. Um, it was the right move not to have the fireworks display with all the you know, loud banging and noises, especially off of what just happened. But the number one thing is to always make sure that you have the safety of your fans, family, players, coaches, and everyone in mind. So um, I'm not going to say that it's a huge mistake that they played the a game, but it's uh, it's become tougher and tougher now with every mass shooting that we see. I go back to the 1986 Challenger explosion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was right after the Super Bowl where uh, the Bears beat the New England Patriots in New Orleans, and I was still in New Orleans. And the uh, the Challenger explosion really raised the issue of should sports go on in the wake of that. Mm-hmm. And there, it was really one of the first times I heard all the debates involved. Um, the issue is where do you draw the line? If you go on, if you play the games, are you saying that, that the people involved in the tragedy weren't important? Mm-hmm. And 
to what degree is it paramount to make it clear that you consider the people involved right. important? Right, right. So uh, we, we go through this debate. Unfortunately, it's almost a gut feeling, I think. The decision has to be made by people who, uh, who understand and in consultation with local authorities and everything else. But I, I, I worry about that where if you don't play for this game and you do for this, are you saying, are you making a value judgment of what's important right? or who was important? Right. <sighs> well, in many respects you are, aren't you? Like, yeah. like, like you, you, I mean, I don't think that's really, I mean, one way or the other, you are making that statement. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, Terry, it, it, the reality is, is that you hope that you don't have to make these decisions. Yes. That you hope that Absolutely. life can just go on as normal, that you hope that when you're on Independence Day and you're enjoying a parade, that you and your family are safe. You can just have some fun. You know, there's one thing that I was thinking about a lot, to be very honest, while even covering the Avalanche Parade was just that. 500,000 people downtown. Yeah. And you see all the security and everything. You see, you know, police in the streets. And, you know, you can even look up at buildings and you see a couple of officers there. But you just don't know. You just don't know. And so... You want to have life as normal as possible. You want to have fun, but you never know when the next tragedy will strike it. You hope and truly pray that it will not happen again. Um, and unfortunately, we've seen it yeah, over and you, over again. Yeah, I think we both wish this were not even an issue today and we right. didn't have to talk right. about it. Right. But we can't sweep it under the rug either. Right. So, Danny, what do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? Rockies are playing tonight. They uh, were getting the best of the Dodgers for the early part of the season. They were leading the season series, still are leading the season series, but the Dodgers have a chance to even it tonight. We'll talk about that. Also, we'll look uh, at some of the free agents still available in the NBA as that free agency period continues. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Adams and Fry on Mile High Sports. Sleeping in my bed. Sleeping in my bed I don't know what you've been told Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry Presented by Silterhar Mazda A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield At Silterhar Mazda Find them at sthmazda.com Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Well, here's Eric, here's Terry and Justin. I'm Terry Fry, veteran journalist and author, and again, sitting in with me today is the versatile Justin Adams of Denver's CBS4. Eric Goodman, the usual driver of this show, the boss, the, the uh, director of all things, will be back on Thursday after his honeymoon. So congratulations again to the newlyweds, Mandy and Eric. You can check us out at uh, the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry and at Justin Adams TV. And uh, I had a lot of fun, Justin. Yeah, man, it was a lot of fun, man. Enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, be uh, be the final time for a little bit you and I will be on. But uh, man, I enjoyed every moment. And you got through it without singing the CU fight song. Shockily. I don't know how I did that. Well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Now, time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. 
Just In Case You Missed It, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Rockies at Dodgers tonight, 8-10 p.m. Mountain Time. Herman Marquez on the mound for the Rocks and Ryan uh, Pepio for the Dodgers. Colorado leads the Dodgers 4-3 in the season series. Does L.A. even up that season series at 4 tonight? Marquez is going to pitch well, and since the pitcher for the Dodgers I've never heard of, I like that matchup. You know Dodgers do a pretty good job of uh, scouting. They'll probably win. Okay, I'll I'll have the uh, the Rockies will be up five to three in the season <laughs> series after tonight. I'll take it. I would love that. We'll see. Uh, just in case you missed it, a fun little exchange on Twitter over the weekend involving former Broncos quarterback Drew Locke. Mm-hmm. He was catching some strays after SportsCenter tweeted a highlight from Wimbledon, uh, saying it was cold blooded, and then a quote-unquote Seahawks fan on Twitter, Seahawks fan 2314, said, not a sport. And the U.S. Open clapped back with, not a sport, says the person about to watch 17 games of <laughs> Drew Locke at quarterback. Right. Uh, what do you think about Drew Locke catching some strays from the U.S. Open official Twitter account over the weekend? He handled it with a sense of humor. I thought he did very well. It, uh, increased maturity from when he was here. He wouldn't have handled that, that well here. Why would the U.S. Open even care what's Somebody who doesn't even use their real name on Twitter, Seahawks2314. Why would they even care what that person says? You That's never, the part I don't get. You never want to cross an intern, Terry. You know that, right? Oh, yeah, that's what Never Drew cross Locke the said. intern. Yeah, he, he assumed it was a U.S. Open intern. Right. He probably was right. Right. <laughs> the interns make the world go round. That's right. Just in case you missed it, Jamal Murray reportedly in action at a summer league practice. He was running five-on-five full court with some of the youngsters, getting some work in. How does this make you feel about Jamal Murray this coming season for the Nuggets? Well, I don't think there's much question that he's shown enough progress to be hopeful and to be optimistic about his play in the upcoming season. This just buttresses that. Uh... Anytime you see Jamal Murray on the court playing basketball, especially coming off that tour in ACL, is a great sight to see. And let's be honest, he needs to be healthy. If the Nuggets are going to have a shot this year, he has to be healthy. How about MPJ? Well, that too. (laughs) Please, let them both be healthy. Uh, And healthy for the full season. Would love to see what this team will look like uh, when you have your big three out there on the court. That's it. We got another show coming up. Well, thanks, guys. That's going to do it for us. Thanks again to you, Justin, for sitting in. It's always fun. Doug Audible, editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine, will join me tomorrow. And the deeply tanned Eric will be back on Thursday. Thanks to you, Danny. Alex, great job as always. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Show me how to love. Maybe.